We are on the traces of Paul, the apostle in his missionary work. And so this is part 31. Hallelujah. And I want to speak this morning on the founding of the church in Corinth. So we all know the, the church of Corinth. And when we read the Bible, and some people have a negative understanding of the church in Corinth. But Paul is teaching here in Corinth very important thing, especially for Pentecostals. All the gifts of the Holy Spirit is being taught here in the letters of Corinth. Okay, and I'm going to read from verse 18, okay, chapter 18, verse 1 to 6. After these things, left, he left Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, having recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius has commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. He came to them. And because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them, and they were working for by trade they were tent makers. The Apostle Paul was always working with his hands, and that's important. And so we see here that helped him quite a bit. Verse 5, or verse 4. All, and he was reasoning in the synagogues every Saturday and trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. But when Silas and Timothy came down from Macedonia, Paul began devoting himself completely to the word, solemnly to testify to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. But when they resisted and blasphemed, he shook off his garments and said to them, Your blood be on your own head. I am clean. From now on I will go to the Gentiles. So far, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this word. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you might listen this morning as these people in the synagogue in Corinth listened to the Apostle Paul when he was preaching and bringing the proof that you are the Christ. I thank you. And this morning I pray, Lord, give grace to speak your word. Give grace to listen to your word. And also I pray, give grace to act upon your wonderful word. I do bless your wonderful name, the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now last night, Ellen and I, we watched a DVD from Dave Hunt. And he was debating somebody from uh, Hinduism. And I must say, I said, isn't it wonderful, Peter, listen, we have got this book. Have you got it in your hand too? Sure. Hallelujah. And this man, he was a Hindu. And I must say, Dave Hunt, then when he lived, was gracious and wonderful here. And I like men of God who like the word of God and have a sharp mind. 
His mind was so sharp, razor blade sharp. And I like this. So anything we say about the Bible and about Jesus must be clear. Razor sharp, it can't be attacked by anyone. And then when it came that he should speak this, um, he knew he couldn't say much. He couldn't say much because Hinduism is just a religion made by man, a system they thought about, you know, and our dear brother, he is now with the Lord. And he said, I, I find it very interesting. The law of karma, you know what it means? The law of karma in Hinduism means that what you did to others in this life will be done in your reincarnated life. Yes, that means if you were bad in this life to somebody, that will happen to you in the new life or second life or whatever this is said. Now, isn't it wonderful that through the blood of Jesus, all our sins can be blotted out, amen? And even God has caught no record anymore of this. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? Yes, when you come to Australia and then you have to pass through the passport control and so on, and they have got a real record of you, whether you did some crimes in Germany or wherever you come from, it's all there. And if they say you see that you did something, they said, I'm sorry, your visa is being revoked. And then the next trip back, wherever they come from. But it's not the way with the Bible with Jesus. God has forgiven all our sins and has cast them in the deepest of the sea. Hallelujah. They are no longer to see. Is it wonderful? And Corrie Baum, she said something, and God made a sign there, fishing forbidden. So nobody should come around and fish in your old life. Our old life has passed away. Behold, everything is new. Amen. Hallelujah. That's why we can happy, uh, be happy. And that's good. Nobody knows my past life. Imagine on the screen up here, all my sins of the past would be there. I would sink down that little. I wouldn't be able to stand here. Now I can say all my sins have been forgiven. Hallelujah. They are under the blood. And Satan can't do anything against me anymore. If he wants to come up and wants to dig up all the things, the past things, he can't. God wrote there, fishing forbidden. Hallelujah. That's why your past life doesn't count any longer. It has been blotted out by the blood of Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? Amen? Hallelujah. You don't have to go to the karma according to, to Hinduism and make it again, good again and as sharp as our dear brother was in his early life with his mind. 
he said, it's not correct. It would take ages and ages of lives. Always again, again, again. You have to reincarnate it in order to make good what you did in your physical life. And there were obviously some Christians as well. And you know when he said these things, there was a clapping. I would clap as well. All my life in the past has been forgiven. Hallelujah. And don't dig around in your old life anymore. Amen. Don't you like it? Doesn't make you happy this morning? Who is happy for that? Amen. Hallelujah. So, and that strengthened us. So we thought we want to watch something decent. And so we took this video. And that is so good. A debate of Dave Hunt's, uh, Hunt uh, with a, a Hindu man. So the Hindu man didn't get any chance anymore to speak. I wanted to hear what he had to say. And so he, had, he couldn't say anything. And somebody had a question. Isn't that interesting? I went, was an American. I went somewhere in New York where it was into a Buddhist or a Hindu temple. And there was food presented for the elephant and food presented for an ape. And he, uh, the question was this, do you really believe that the elephant would eat that food and the ape would come and take the food? No, 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 no. It's just symbolic. The elephant is a sim symbol for remembering. And we know that elephants have a long, long-term remembering. They can remember things done to them perhaps 10 years ago. And if you come close to them, I tell you what, watch them. There could something happening to you then. And the ape, I don't know what that was for again, for little things, I don't know. Uh, of course, of course, these gods of Hinduism have got no meaning. But the God of the Bible, and that's a good thing I like with Dave Hunt, he always spoke of the God of the Bible. Hallelujah. And that's so wonderful. And that was Paul doing as well. And we read here, when he came, or when actually Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, he took time for himself. And he devoted himself to preach and study these things very clearly. To bring the proof that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. And we need to know this proof as well. Very important. We watched another DVD from Ken Ham. Anybody heard about Ken Ham? A brilliant man of God in the States. And he said, and that's the American thing, said many, many, many young people, teenagers, are already gone. They're lost. Why? Never ever was in their church or in their Sunday school or youth meetings being taught to defend the Bible 
or defend our faith? Why do we believe in Jesus Christ? Is this a myth or is it the truth? It is the truth. Hallelujah. And we must be able to prove that the Bible is the truth. And our dear brother Dave Hunt did it last night when we watched this video so brilliantly. Hallelujah. And I wish we all would be able and we must be able. You young people, I tell you what, when you go to university, these young university young people, they know so much. All they know is the Bible and say the Bible is just a myth. No, we must stand and know and must say, no, it is not a myth. It's the truth. And we must prove the truth. Amen. Can we? Can you? Hallelujah. And that's important. And I wish that all our young people would know the truth, not only from the experience when they came to Jesus and he forgave their sins, but also to know that the Bible speaks very clearly. And you know Ken Ham, and that is all these um, creation ministry people, they say, if we don't believe in the first 11 chapters of Genesis, how can we then believe the rest of the Bible? If you think the 11 chapters of Genesis are not true, they are true. Hallelujah. No matter what scientists say, I don't care. But there's one who proves that it's true, and it's Jesus Christ. And Jesus himself, he believed in Genesis, didn't he? Matthew 19, he said, well, from the beginning it was not that way that you could divorce your wife. No, no, no. He made him one man and one woman. And therefore, a man will leave father and mother and he will cling to his wife. All your husbands, if you want to fulfill the word of God, cling to your wife, full stop. Is it right? Did I say something wrong? No, cling to your wife. And you young people who haven't got a wife as yet, remember that. When you get a wife and when you marry, then cling to her. And she will cling to you too. So now I have to preach a little bit more. Now I'm coming back now to the scripture here. Paul, he remained for some more days in Athens. Remember last Sunday I preached, or last time I preached, I preached about the unknown God. And was very interesting. And some people believed in Jesus but after a certain time, he went away from Athens, and then he came to Corinth. I don't know how far Athens and Corinth are apart. Our Greek people can tell you. Perhaps, I don't know. Does anybody know? Without a car. Yeah, half an hour to an hour. So, in those days, I think they were walking. And he walked there, and he stayed there, and he met a couple, a Jewish couple. 
Aquila and Priscilla. And they were really clear. And somehow, I don't know, Paul, he hadn't any, any money perhaps. What did he do? He went working. Working for a pastor is not a sin. Working for a pastor is something good. And because you learned that these people were also tent maker, and Paul was a tent maker, and they joined and did some business together. But as soon as Silas and Timothy came down to him, he stopped working and was totally dedicated to the word of God. And every Saturday or Sabbath, he was there in the synagogue. Although I believe they worked very hard. But he took time and he didn't say on Saturday morning, listen, I'm actually too tired. No, he went up and went into the synagogue because he was there with a mission to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now in Israel, it was normal that every man had to learn a trade. Whether he was a learned man or not, he had to learn a trade. And good for Paul. He learned a trade. And it came handy for him. And it's so good that we also can work with our hands. Because some people think the pastors are very, very lazy people. You know, somebody said, during the week I want to be a pastor... On over the weekend, I want to be a teacher. You know what it means? You don't have to work at all. They think pastors don't do anything during the week. Oh, yes, they do. And if they're working with their hands, they're studying and praying and preparing for the word of God. And a teacher... They have always free on the weekend, yes? Always free on the weekend, okay? Now, in spite of the busyness of busy life, Paul went every Sabbath to the synagogue. Why did Paul proclaim Jesus the Messiah? Why did he do it? Why didn't he speak just in general about Christian stuff? What do you mean with Christian stuff? Yeah, I mean so Christian stuff and so on. Yeah, what is that? Either you preach Jesus or you be quiet or shut up. If you don't have to speak about and haven't got anything to speak about Jesus, you are not called for the ministry. I remember a man, a preacher, I met him from America in Germany and he had an America on his pulpit here, on this you would, would see what is here. A little plate. Talk about Jesus. That's all. What he requested from anyone who was behind the pulpit. Talk about Jesus. And that's what it is. Paul talked about Jesus. And why? Why was Paul in his heart, had his heart to preach and bring the proof that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. Now every new, uh, every Jew knew 
the law of Moses said there is a Messiah going to come. And we go back in Deuteronomy verse eight, chapter 18, verse 15. The law, there's a prophecy for Jesus. Listen. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me. And that's a prophecy of, of Moses. From amongst your countrymen, you shall listen to him. Who is this? Who, what's the name of this man and prophet Moses was prophesying about? Anybody knows it? What's the name? Jesus, hallelujah. Now every, every Jew knew this. There was a, a Messiah or a prophet going to come like Moses. And what does it say here? You shall listen to him. Now listen, if you talk to any Jew, tell him as a real, as a real Jew or somebody who believes in Judaism, real Judaism means listening to Jesus. Is it right? Listening to Jesus, that is real Judaism. That's what Moses said. Listen to them. And Moses was, without any question, one of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament. Every Jew know who Moses was. And that's why Paul brought now the proof and he was speaking about. Jesus is the absolute last authority of God. I know the Muslims don't like it. They say, well, the last authority of Allah is Muhammad. They are wrong in everything they are wrong. Here it says, you should listen to him. Jesus is the last authority of God because he is the first and the last. Let's read in Revelation verse, or chapter 1, verse 17 and 18. When I saw him, who was it? Jesus. I fell at his feet like a dead man. And he placed his right hand on me saying, Do not be afraid. I am the first. And I am the last. And the living one. And I was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Hallelujah. And I have the key of death and of Hades. Hallelujah. Now John the Revelator, he saw this Jesus. And these words were still in his ears. Hallelujah. And he wrote them down. I am the first and the last. Now, what does it actually mean? I am the first. Revelation 1, 18, we have got a wonderful verse as well. I am the Alpha and the Omega, you Greek people. I am the Alpha and the Omega. Everybody who knows or knows something about Greek knows that Alpha is the first letter in the Greek alphabet. 
Is there any letter before Alpha? Greek people? Is there any letter before Alpha? No. That means, in other words, bef before anything was, there is the Alpha first. I am the first and the last. Or in Greek it says, Ego aimi to alpha, kai to omega. That means I am the first and also the last. And I want to speak a little bit on this. Or as John saw it in chapter, or wrote in chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. Hallelujah. In the beginning, what was before then? Jesus is in the very, 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 very beginning. The first, hallelujah. Nothing else was there then. There was Jesus. I am the beginning, or in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And God was the Word. Hallelujah. Is there anything that was before Jesus? No. And that's so important to understand who Jesus is. If Jesus is just any man or just a prophet in the New Testament or any miracle worker, so no, not good enough. You have to understand who Jesus is. I am the first and I am the last. In the beginning, Jesus was, now listen, before any atom was designed by God. An atom which is the building block of the microcosmos. Jesus was before any molecules clung together and bring or constitute matter. We understand these things. Before any star was flung into space, Jesus was there. Amen? Before any star was in put in space and created the macrocosmos. The macrocosmos is the universe we see now with all its solar system. Hallelujah. A few years ago, I remember people thought, well, they could uh, teach me something. Oh, yes, somebody. Some people can teach me something. I don't know everything. But they say, oh, did you know? Yes, they have discovered in the universe new stars. And they thought, well, I only know about sun, moon, and the stars who are around here. Yeah, it could be. But it doesn't change my faith. It only expands my faith in Jesus also, these stars, which have perhaps no name as well as yet. Jesus has made them, and God has made it. Hallelujah. The further the so-called science goes into this space, whatever they discover there, I don't care. All that Jesus has made has been created and been set into space by God. Amen. Hallelujah. It only makes my faith in Jesus stronger. Jesus 
is the Logos. Through the Logos, everything was created. And the Logos is the center of everything. Now, what does it mean? I am the last. So I, I try to show you when Jesus I am the first. Before anything was there, Jesus was there. God was there. The Logos was there. And when it says, I am the last, what does that mean? That means after Jesus, nothing else comes anymore. Nothing else comes anymore. Now, old Job, hallelujah. Blessed be old Job. Anybody read the book of Job? Let me see. Job chapter 90, verse 25 and 26. And he made a wonderful statement. And that was his faith. And he said, as for me, I know that my Redeemer lives. And at the last, he will take his stand on the earth. Amen. Can you picture this? I can see it in my mind. That means after everything has been disappeared and burned up, you know, as Peter says, the elements will melt of intensity. After everything is gone, Job said, and he will take his stand on the earth. Amen. Hallelujah. And he said, even after my skin is destroyed, yet from my flesh I will see God. And let me put this way. This Messiah will stand at last on this earth. Glory, hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah. And he stands there majestically. And every knee shall bow and must bow before him. And every tongue confess Jesus is the Lord, hallelujah, to the glory of the Father. Can you say amen? Yes. Oh, I would say, Job, what you saw by faith is so wonderful. Let me give you a hug. I love you. At the last, he will stand on the earth. After the nuclear dust has settled after all the enemies of Jesus have become the footstool of Jesus' feet. Hallelujah. After everything, after all the stars extinguished and after sun and moon have lost their light, there will be still one star shining brightly. Hallelujah. Which star is it? The day star, the bright and shining morning star. Hallelujah. My life is based on the best star. You know, people are, I didn't want to say this hard word, they are so blind and believe the horoscope. Do you know my interpretation of the word horoscope? 
first they have a horror and then they can't cope with life anymore. But my life is founded on the bright and morning star. Hallelujah. And he will never ever extinguish. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He will still be shining after everything has become dim and doesn't shine anymore. He will be the logos perhaps for the new heaven and new Jerusalem. And his name is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I would have loved to sit in the first row when Paul was speaking and bring the proof that Jesus is the Messiah. Listen to Paul. I would have shouted, Hallelujah! Keep preaching, Paul. It makes my heart rejoice. Hallelujah. He is the bright and morning star. Now this morning star will usher into or will usher in the eternal future. Hallelujah. Revelation 22 verse 16 it says, I Jesus have sent my angel to testify to these things for the churches. I am the root and descendant of David, the bride morning star. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now this world has got no future at all. No future at all. I might give you a little bit of a hint. And is this, have you, anybody heard of, uh, of Michael, Dr. Michael Joseph? Let me see your hand. By his book, last book, and it is the third jihad. The things he writes about there that gives you the awareness we are living in the last, 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 last days. Jesus is coming soon. He is still shining. Hallelujah. And even if the Muslims go so far and say, Away with the cross. We don't want to see anything, any resemblance of Jesus anymore. Jesus is shining. He is shining. He is shining. He is a bright and shining morning star. Hallelujah. Now this eternal, never-ending future can only be understood by spiritual Christians. And Paul calls them the so-called pneumatikos. Pneumatikos. Doesn't, these are those who are spiritual. They understand things through the Spirit, not by here, but through here. Hallelujah. Here, here is more understanding power than in here, in this box. By faith. We can believe. And these things are being understood. And somehow through the Spirit of God, I think I might have understood. Something happening 
no human being can fathom when Jesus comes back, hallelujah, and the lamb upon the throne, hallelujah, Jesus Christ. Oh, when Paul was preaching perhaps these things, he, of course, he used different words. He spoke in Greek, and all you Greek people, you would indulge in the wonderful sermon he preached there. All the wonderful Greek words, you know, so expressive. He was preaching, and that was so wonderful. And then we read something. Paul was so intense making sure that every Jew understands Jesus is the Messiah. Not just a, a very interesting teacher. No, Jesus is the Messiah. And there is no real Judaism that rejects Jesus and doesn't believe and doesn't listen to Jesus. Jesus had the backing of a prophecy of the greatest prophet in the Old Testament, of Moses. A prophet like me. There's going to come a prophet. And I tell you, these are my words now, listen to him. Don't listen to all the other things. Listen to him. God, the Father, said it himself as well. When Jesus was on the Mount of of clarification and he was there in the light like a sun. And then a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. And what does it say? Hear ye him. Okay. So Moses said, listen to him. If you don't listen to Jesus, there will be no other choice anymore. And God said it himself out of the cloud, there on the Mount of Transfiguration. Hear he, ye him. That's real, real King James English, is it? Did you understand it? Yeah. If I as a German could understand it, what about you? Of course you will understand these things. Now what happened then? And there's unfortunately a verse Luke put into and he observed it, what happened. He must have been in that meeting too. And he observed it. And verse 6, but when they resisted, remember resistance and blasphemy are two things who go together. When they resisted and blasphemed, Paul, he shook off his garment and said to them, your blood be on your own head. I am clean. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. I will move on. Is it so? Is it so? Yes, the grace of God is so wonderful. 
Hallelujah, that God never remembers all our sins if you have confessed them before God and asked the blood of Jesus to cleanse us. There is a resistance against the love of God and grace of God. Resistance is taking an absolute position against Jesus. And what else? They resisted and what else? Blasphemed. They resisted and blasphemed. And these were one of the things which Stephen, when he had the people in front of him and he was stoning and he was preaching. But you in your stubbornness, you resisted all the time. You resisted all the time against the spirit of God. Resisting God is something very, very dangerous. Therefore, do not resist the Holy Spirit who speaks to you. Do not resist. It goes into blasphemy. Now, Jesus never ever had and never ever will force himself upon any person. If there's a person this morning who thinks the grace of God is cheap, it's not, it's not, it costs the blood of Jesus on the cross. The grace of God is so expensive. Forgiveness is so expensive. Not compatible to any, any, anything here on the world. I know Pastor Gary has got a wonderful song and he likes to sing it. And it's this, Are You Washed? You remember Pastor Gary? I can't forget it. You have to come when he preaches or when he leads the singing. There would be certainly a song he will sing. Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Hallelujah. I am washed in the blood of the Lamb. The most expensive cleansing article in the whole universe. If you're not being washed by the blood of them, you are not washed at all. You will not go to heaven. Now Jesus himself never forced himself upon people. You remember, we see it in Mark 5 and also Luke 8. When Jesus set this demonic free, demoniac free. And there were a legion of demons in him. You know the story. And Jesus set him free. And then all the people came around because they felt perhaps pity for all the swines that were drowned. Perhaps their money was gone. But Jesus was there. And this man was sitting in a fine sense, normal sense, next to Jesus. And they all came 
and said, please, Jesus, can you move from here? And I have to read this scripture to you. Luke 8, 37. And all the people of the country of the Gerasenes and the surrounding districts asked him to leave them. For they were gripped with fear. And he got into a boat and returned where he was coming from. Jesus went away. Jesus never ever forced himself. Could it be? Could it be that Paul and Jesus didn't anything or didn't know anything about Calvin's heretical flagship of irresistible grace? Could it be? Could it be? Jesus went. He didn't say, no, 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 I'm going to stay around. One day you will, you will understand who I am. No. And he went into the boat and returned. Remember what Paul did. Paul did exactly what Jesus taught his 12 disciples, when he sent them out to go and preach the gospel of the kingdom. We read it in Matthew chapter 10, verse 14. Whoever does not receive you, nor heed your words, as you go out of that house or of the city, shake the dust off your feet, you know what it actually means? Shaking off the dust is the smallest, tiniest thing. Shaking off the dust off the feet. And Paul did it and shook it off his garment. That means something. And you have to know and understand it. When a Jew was traveling through heathen countries, and he returned back to the Holy Land, back to Israel. When they came to the border, then they shook off the dust from the place of the heathen. They shook off the dust. In other words, that was a declaration. I have nothing to do anymore with it, Gentile. That means breaking off totally clear. I'm now going into the land of Israel. I'm not breaking anything or bringing anything with me from there. <clears throat> That's why. Yes, Peter, you are right. You are right. Therefore, have you seen sometimes missionaries came back from Africa or so on or any, any hidden country? They sometimes brings, or bring something carved, you know, elephant or whatever or one of the gods they had. You know what it means? 
they're bringing something God didn't want in their place. I remember years and years ago, still in Germany, somebody gave us, you know, as they have in Africa, these wood carving masks. Yeah? Some people see it as, a, as an art. We hung it up somewhere in our place then in, in Germany. One day, Anne and I, we said, this is something we have to get rid of it. Nothing, nothing from the former life or hidden life should be here and influence our, our mind. That's what it means, shaking off the dust off your feet. Nothing of the hidden should stuck on us. That's why they did it. That's why Paul says, and now listen to the words he said very clearly. But when they resisted and blasphemed, he shook out his garment and said to them, your blood be on your own head. I am clean. Uh, from now on, I will go to the Gentiles. Did Paul do right or wrong? Did Paul do right or wrong? What? He was right. Was he inspired by the Spirit of God or not? Was he an apostle of God? Yes or not? He was a minister of the, of the gospel of God. Selected by God. Not by a church vote. Not by a church vote who said, well, we want this brother to go there and there. No, no. He was called by the Spirit of God through the gifts of the Spirit. And then the church sent them out at first Paul and Barnabas. Hallelujah. There can be a time which might be too late, too late, too late for anyone. I must preach this sermon. I have studied this very clearly and for a long time, for a long time, I heard these days, we are in contact with our friends in Germany. You remember the friends who were here from Germany, my friend Erwin Kolm? We played together a music piece. And you remember the Swiss couple there too? Ella spoke to them. And she said to his wife, do you remember a certain name of this young man? I do. He was a young man. A fresh young man. He got married. Somehow or sometimes, I don't know, I lost contact with him. 
sometimes along in his lifetime, he said no to Jesus. And he went into a full blast, earthly and worldly life. And he was lying in, in the hospital, dying. He belonged to the church where I come from, Bremen. And Erwin Kohn, my friend, you remember him, who played the clarinet? Anyone remembers him? Robert, you remember him. He went there and visited him because he knew he didn't come to church anymore. But he went and visited him. He was trying to talk about Jesus to him. He was hardened. He didn't want to know anything of Jesus. If we reject Jesus and the grace of God, there's further no any sacrifice for you or for anyone but a horrible waiting of the judgment of God. And the Bible says, I think Peter is it, it is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. You know what it means? It means if you continue resisting the Spirit of God, when the, God, when the Lord calls you, turn around. Let the things of the world go. Come. Follow me. If you remain resistant, and this young man, or this older man, he was with, with me together. I, I remember him very well. He had a beautiful wife. But of course, now she must, must have been old as well, and all the beauty is gone. But he wouldn't know, didn't like to near, know anything of Jesus. Could you mention once he was a young man in the youth. I remember him. He played also the clarinet. I played them. Somehow along his life he turned away from Jesus. Therefore therefore watch and behold and see to it that no one receives the grace of God in vain. That's a bitter root that grows up in you. And this bitter root in this young man, or now old man, got so strong, he was just bitter against God. I don't know what, whether he had a reason. Nobody has a reason to be bitter against God. Nobody. God is God. Jesus the Messiah is the last reaching out of God to humanity. Hear ye him. Listen to him. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank the Lord Jesus that I can believe in you, Lord Jesus. 
And that, gave, that you gave us so many, many, many reasons that you are there, O oh God. And that your spirit is moving in our midst as well this morning. I thank you. And Lord, I pray that this word, these words I preach, Lord, by your Holy Spirit might find echo in everybody. And that nobody might resist your precious grace. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.